Happy Sabbath. Today's scripture reading, Old Testament reading, is um, Jeremiah 2, um, Jeremiah 2, 5 through 7, and it can be found in your pew Bible uh, 696, and I'll be reading from the New King James Version. Thus said the Lord, what iniquity have your father found in me that they are gone far from me and have walked after vanity and are become vain? Neither said they, where is the Lord that brought us up out of the land of Egypt that led us through the wilderness, through a land of desert and of pits, through a land of drought and of the shadow of death, through a land that no man passed through and where no man dwelt? And I brought you into a plentiful country to eat the fruit thereof and the goodness thereof. But when ye entered, ye defiled my land and made my heritage an abomination. We'll be reading from the Gospel of John, chapter 10, verses 8 through 10. It'll be in your pew Bible, 989. Give you a moment. All who ever come before me, or came before me, were thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to, to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Amen. I don't know whether I was in first grade, third grade, fifth grade, or what. When do they teach prepositions? Nowadays, they probably teach it in preschool, and those of us who learn later are just way behind the curve. I have a feeling that's the reality. But my teacher used to say a preposition was anything you can do to a barrel. Well, I thought that was interesting. You can be in a barrel, on a barrel, around a barrel. Lots and lots of things to a barrel, but one of the prepositions I want to focus on today that I think could be useful to us is through. Through is a useful preposition. Because this time of year, I don't know about you, it's certainly not my favorite time of year. I mean, you could say, well, but it's got Valentine's Day, and yes, I love my sweetheart, but... Chocolates are marked up three times and flowers five times and you've got to wait an hour to eat bad food with hundreds of other couples at a place to... So thank you, Ginger and Social Committee, for the gracious alternative you have provided. We're looking forward to that. that that's cool. You could say it's President's Day and we have a lot to, say, uh, to celebrate in terms of our heritage. You'd be right there too. But we get to February and it's... Tell me, you, you know what I'm talking about, right? We're done with the Christmas celebration. It's, it's over. I mean, if your tree is still up in your house, 
take it out. It's done. It's a fire hazard for, for crying out loud. You know, you really need to move on. And uh, it, Christmas isn't coming for a long time, right? And uh, we're done with all the fun of Thanksgiving. And now we've got to deal with the 10 pounds that we put on in November and December, right? That's February. We've got to deal with the 10 pounds. And you've got to deal with the credit card bills, some of which you may be able to pay off in full and others of which you may be carrying. And if you pay taxes, how many of you pay taxes? <laughs> Render unto Caesar and all of that, yes. Uh, if you pay taxes, you know that April 15 is a very special time of year coming up not too far away in which we once again get to empty our bank accounts and take care of business. It's cold and flu season. I resemble that remark. I decided not to sing with Peter today. I didn't think it would be uh, great for anybody to hear me, you know, rejoice, pure in heart. I didn't think that would cheer anybody's spirits today, so um, I sang anyway. My, my heart is full. I just wanted you to know. It's not a great time of year. It's, uh, when it's cold, it's cold. We're in, we're in uh, January continued. It's lovely. It's been 80 degrees this week in Glendale and sunny. I got a sunburn one day. I mean, this is, yeah, something's wrong with the world and I'm not here to tell you what it is, but this is just really. So enough about the, it not being my favorite time of the year, but what is required this time of the year is getting through, isn't it? You've got you to somehow, we've got to find it a season in which there's, we're, the, the party is over and we're, we're paying for our, uh, our indulgences and sins, so to speak. Now you've got to find a way to lose the 10 pounds. That means taking in less calories than you actually burn off. And since, uh, I, I don't know if my wife invented this phrase or she picked it up somewhere from somebody clever, but I got to tell you, exercise is a minimum wage job with full deductions. It's a minimum wage job. Eating is a black American Express card with a $100,000 credit limit. Okay? So you, you figure out what the math is there. Uh, you're earning minimum wage on the exercise, and you're able to purchase, as it were, unlimited food. So somewhere along the line, you've got to stop the flow in and increase the output of energy. That's, that's one piece. And then you've got to get through the economic doldrums. You've got you to discipline yourself, snip back a little here and there, cut a few coupons, do something, because you've got to pay the credit card bills. You've got to get through whatever doldrums you feel in terms of you know, just life in general after all of the busyness and all of the, the output. At the end of Je December, I felt like I'd been on a sprint for about, oh, I don't know, a month and a half at least and never, never taken a breath. And then with this worship conference, uh, the busyness was a delightful worship conference. I wish more of you uh, would have taken advantage of that this last weekend. It was really, really great. But uh, that was a lot of output, too. And then, of course, sickness sets in. And so some of us have been battling sinus infections, chest colds, pneumonia, different things. You've got to get through somehow. 
There's that word through. And not everybody gets through. One of my exercise uh, acquaintances this morning said, uh, Greg, are you, uh, are you going to the ecumenical prayer meeting this morning? You're your pastor, aren't you? I said, yeah. Is your pastor of a local church? I said, no, Santa Clarita. He says, oh, well, there's an ecumenical prayer meeting today at Crescenta Valley High. I said, oh, really? I said, hmm. He said, uh, I said, I'm sorry, I, I have services today. I, I won't be able to make that. He said, well, there was a tragedy there. I hadn't listened to the news or read the paper. I said, what, what happened? He said, one of the students committed suicide. Yesterday, as the lunch bell rang, he found himself at the highest part of the campus and flung himself off in front of his fellow students. Was pronounced dead as people arrived, emergency personnel arrived. He didn't make it through. Whatever got him, whatever was depressing him, whatever life circumstances were pressing upon him, whatever despair had, had grown in his heart to dimensions that were unconquerable, whatever Ill illnesses prevailed in his mind and his spirit, whatever troubles he encountered, whatever alienation or, or bullying or teasing or whatever was going on in his life, I don't know. He didn't make it through. Not everybody makes it through. And I think that's uh, where faith comes in. That's where holding on to something embodied in the person of Jesus comes in. That's where a relationship that's alive, where we're free to express our laments and our frustrations and our anger and, and our disbelief and everything we feel when life isn't feeling good and going the way we want it to, when we can express those to our God as David did so frequently in the Psalms, where we can renew our spirits in praise, where we can encourage one another in community to the extent that we feel we can be real with those around us. And all of those things we had three passages today. The psalm passage in Psalm 66 is related to the Jeremiah passage in that they speak to some similar things. Let's revisit those very briefly. Psalm 66, if you would. Come and see what God has done, his awesome deeds for humankind. He turned the sea into dry land. They passed through the waters on foot. Come, let us rejoice in him. Now this is a reflection of a corporate experience that defined a people you see, the, the Israelites define themselves in several ways. One, they are children of whom? Abraham. Children of Abraham, and by extension, Isaac and Jacob. They are inheritors of the covenant. 
They are the circumcised. That's the mark of the covenant. And they are defined by God's, as the New Testament puts it, as Romans put it, this election, this came by grace, not by any merit on Abraham's part, but God's initiative and God's choice. So there's a self, there's a definition as a chosen people, a covenant people. And then there's this period of slavery that they experience in Egypt from which they're delivered, profoundly delivered. And there's a new experience that defines the people. There are people that have walked through the waters. Now, I don't need to tell you the story again, but let's just recap the salient points. Israel is on foot. They've left in the middle of the night. They've marched. I don't think I could tell you how many days or months or whatever it was. It doesn't appear in the scriptures to have been a very long period of time. Pharaoh changes his mind, decides he wants them all back, and sends his armies uh, to pursue them and joins them in this. So they come to several natural barriers. First of all, there are too many of them to scatter and run, too many of them to hide. It's not very uh, lush territory. It's desert territory. Uh, They're at the edge of a great body of water that they cannot possibly safely pass. And they've got the world's greatest army bearing down on them at high speed. This is an impossible and an impassable situation. And they begin to cry out, Lord, why have you brought us from Egypt to die here in this spot? The lament. They see their situation as utterly hopeless, completely, completely insurmountable. And God says to Moses, stretch out your rod and your hand over the waters and a path is made plain. So the people of Israel are a people who passed through the waters and they didn't do so by their own ingenuity. They didn't do so by their own energies. They didn't do so by the power of their own faith. They didn't do so by their creativity or brilliance. They didn't do it by their hard work and engineering. God led them in a path of dry land through the waters. That's a useful adjective, isn't it? I mean, excuse me, preposition, isn't it? Something you can do to a barrel. As it turns out, you can do it to a sea, too. Come, let us rejoice in him. Verse 7, he rules forever by his power. His eyes watch the nations. Let not the rebellious rise against him. Praise our God, all peoples. Let the sound of his praise be heard. He has preserved our lives, kept our feet from slipping. For you, God, tested us. You refined us like silver. All of the adversities, and you delivered us tested us, our faith, our willingness to depend and trust. And even when we failed at that, you brought us through. 
And so we have the same notion carried over in Jeremiah. We're just going to pause there briefly as well. Jeremiah 2. And the title of the chapter is Israel Forsakes God. And that's something that defines a people too. Chosen, they go to God and then they forsake God. Go back to God and forsake God. Go back to God and forsake God. How many of you have experienced that? Oh, let me, let me give you the percentage. It's 100%. You've all played in that, and so have I. We go to God, we go away from God. We go to God, we go away from God. It's our pattern. And it was Israel's pattern. And this is what the Lord says to Jeremiah 5 through 7. What fault did your ancestors find in me that they strayed so far from me? I I love that passage. It's so... Anthropomorphic. It's so God expressing himself in human emotional terms. What have I done? You know, didn't, did I not lead you through the waters? Did I not call you by name? Did I not give you a, an inheritance or promise you one? Did I not bless your ancestors? Did I not enter covenant with you? Am I not your God? Are you not my people? Really? He's, he's so emotional in this passage coming from Isaiah, so, so lost as it were. What fault did your ancestors find in me that they strayed so far from me? They followed worthless idols and so became worthless themselves. Oh, we better be careful what we venerate, huh? If you want to become worthy, you must worship the worthy. They did not ask, where is the Lord who brought us out of Egypt and led us through? Ah, there's that fabulous preposition again. Led us through the wilderness. I don't like the wilderness. Do you like the wilderness? I mean, I know there are people, if Travis were here today, he'd raise his hand. I'm going to introduce you to Travis, those of you who haven't met him. He likes the wilderness. He likes the mountains. He likes... He likes places where, I don't know what there is to, it's beautiful, I guess, at times. But we as a race of people have spent our our entire energies as a culture getting away from the wilderness, conquering the wilderness, eliminating the wilderness. We're battling pollen. We, we, you know, I mean, we just, you know, forget bee stings. We we want anything to do with bugs. We we have pesticides. We, We, you know, we're just... Keep the wilderness at bay, thank you very much. We're not going to be sleeping among the Mojave green rattlesnakes, thank you, um, if we can help it. God brought them through the barren wilderness, through a land of deserts and ravines. Any of you have read the accounts of settlers who came west and dealt with the Grand Canyon and the various canyons in Utah and some of the places uh, deserts and ravines describes it. A land of drought and utter darkness. A land where no one travels. A land where no one lives. Out of this really desolate place, 
this place of apparently um, no life. This place of, of just subsistence. He says he brings us to a land that's living. It's living. I don't, I don't know where all of you are. You be perfectly happy with your lives and have plenty of money to pay your taxes and you ignored Christmas or saved up one of those smart people who had everything prepaid, good for you. Uh, maybe you don't have to pay taxes, that's even better. I, I don't know who you are in terms of your economic or, or maybe you didn't put on 10 pounds. I know people who can eat anything and don't put on any weight and I, I don't like those people. Um, well, I do, but... Yeah, it, it, it isn't my story, let's put it that way. I brought you into a fertile land to eat its fruit and rich produce. God brought Israel through. And he's asking this question, what fault did you find with me? This is what God does. You see, we enter deserts and exit them. We enter wildernesses and we exit them. And God is with us and he brings us to a fertile place where there's water and milk and honey and vegetation and people want to live. And if you're living right now and feeling good about life, I'm so glad for you. All is well, praise God. If you're down about something or you're struggling with something or it's just a tough time of year for you or you're not looking forward to April 8, April 15, the wilderness doesn't last forever. God brings us through to a fertile land. And that's the ultimate reality we explore as well, God will ultimately bring us through this life to a life made new and through a planet in decay to a planet made new. And our lives can be a metaphor for what happens here too. Whatever the pains and aches and disparities and problems and losses that we encounter along the way. We have a God who brings us through and promises a green and fertile land on the other side, a place of plenty and renewal, a place of joy and peace. So I hope you can hear in this not just pie in the sky, but the real here and now God bringing us through and the eschatological God bringing us through at a future time as we live our lives in him and look forward to his return and the life to come. And then there's another way in which through is a very useful preposition. It reminds us of where we stand. John chapter 10.
Jesus is reflecting on the good shepherd and the sheep, and he says these words. I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who've come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. And whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. I love that passage. Have it to the full. Aren't you a maximum life kind of person? It's a little tiring sometimes, but it's a great ride, isn't it? He's not only the good shepherd, he trains us to know his voice. He bids us enter his protection, his fold, his family, his community through the gate that is Christ. Through him and in him, we live and have our being and we find our lives having entered through that gate in the salvation that he's provided. And he says, I don't come to keep you cooped up and prepared for slaughter. I don't come to keep you penned in so that you won't know the world around you. I don't come so that you can stand in your own excrement and rot. I bring you in because I'm the good shepherd and I'm going to protect you from wolves and bears and lions and thieves and robbers and you are mine and I'm going to surround you with my love and lead you, as we read in other passages, to clear waters and still waters, not raging waters. I'm gonna lead you into green, verdant pastures. I'm gonna supply your needs. I'm gonna anoint your head with oil so that when the brambles have scratched you, the flies will stay off your wounds. I'm going to tenderly seek you and carry you home because I'm the good shepherd. And this is the reflection we have of Christ in John chapter 10. And he says, I am the gate. You enter this life through me. So the God who brings us through, brings us through by means of himself. He brings us through his own will, his own love, his own desire, his own capacity, his own power, his own grace, and we are the lucky recipients. So I invite you, in this time of year that seems to hold very little that's special, at least to me. Better quit playing with my face, huh? I invite you to consider these prepositions. There are other useful ones too. But God is going to get us wherever we are through. <laughs>